You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So today we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, this message is just near and dear to my heart because how many of you have been through kind of some rough times over the last 18 months, two years? Anybody? Anybody? So what I want to talk to you today about is what do you do when you go through a difficult time? What happens? How do you respond? How do you process? Like, like what does that look like when you go through a difficult time? And I know you live in California. So everybody in this room has been through a bit of a challenge, right? Anybody not? The rest of the country is watching what happens here. We're watching your elections. We're watching the stands that you take. And we, we bid you Godspeed. Just know we got the East Coast held down, and I'm thankful for you guys here on the West Coast. Believe in God, we're going to meet in the middle, right? So I want to start by going to the book of Matthew chapter 4, and I want to read in verse 18, and this is actually, we're going to talk today about the life of Peter and what Peter did when he went through difficult times, and we're going to talk about uh, Peter's calling. This is actually the day that Jesus called Peter. It says, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And I love reading this because a lot of times we don't understand different languages and how they work. Uh, The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So when you read that word immediately, it doesn't just mean quick. It doesn't just mean fast. That particular Greek word means not only was it an immediate, fast, quick thing, but there was such an urgency, there is no way they could not do that. There was no way they weren't going to follow Jesus. Now, I need to explain something to you today so you will understand when we read the rest of um, the scriptures and go through some things today. I want to explain to you a little bit more about the Greek because we're going to be reading through a lot of New Testament scriptures, and I want you to have this understanding, okay? When when you're reading the Greek, it's not like our English language that we speak. Let me give you an example. I have the cutest little dog named Snickers. He's got an underbite. He's like... He's the cutest ever. He's my only child still left. My kids are grown and married. And, you know, so Snickers is like my BFF, right? He's so cute and cuddly and he never back talks. (laughs) But I can say out of my mouth, I love Snickers and I love my husband, Troy Maxwell. In our English language, you are just left to assume which one has more emphasis on it right? And depending on which week it is, either one could be in the doghouse, right? (laughs) So you are just left to assume, oh, well, I just know that she loves her husband more. But we use the same word love. I love my husband and I love a cheeseburger. 
They don't do that in the Greek language. They get very specific and very specified. And so as we read today, I want you to understand some of the things that I break down, why they are so specific. Now, we know that this is the day that we just read where Peter actually was called by Jesus, said, listen, leave your nets, leave everything, come with me. You're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to now fish for people. But how many of you know that um, when you're walking through life, even when you're called by God, you still have a few gaff moments, right? You still have a few moments that don't necessarily go the way you want them to. So Jesus and Peter are having this conversation and Jesus begins to tell Peter, hey, listen, I'm going to have to go to the cross. All these bad things are going to happen, but there's a purpose in it. And Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus, that's not going to happen. Jesus is like, no, yeah, Peter, I, I've got to go to the cross. I'm going to be beaten. They're going to take me. And Peter's like, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen. No, no I, I've got you. You're good. You're good. And Jesus finally is so completely annoyed with Peter that he looks and he says to them, get behind me, Satan. That would have been a really good opportunity for me if that was me. And I'm one of the 12 disciples to get offended and say, you got 11 now, buddy. You just called me Satan and you are supposed to be the savior of the world and you just called me Satan. I'm sorry, I am peacing out. You do not talk to me that way. I mean, he didn't. He stayed connected, but that was a pretty bad moment for Peter. Don't you think? I mean, when the savior of the world calls you Satan, you know, not, not ideal, not ideal. So, so let's keep going. So you've got all the disciples down at the bottom of a mountain. Jesus looks at three of them, Peter, James, and John. And he says, you three, the rest of you need to stay here, but you three, I want you to come with me. I want you to go up on top of this mountain with me. And he's like, this is going to change your life. And they get up there and literally the most ridiculous, amazing thing begins to happen. God himself comes out of the clouds and begins to speak. Jesus starts to light up. His face turns like bright white light and this light is exuding from him. And it's like, oh my gosh, Jesus is lit. That's where we get it from. He was lit up on the mountain. Like this is all happening. And not only that, but then Moses, freaking Moses shows up from the Old Testament the guy that Peter had always heard about, who he reads his writings, he's memorized his stuff, and here he is showing up on top of the mountain like reincarnated Moses? Holy freaking cow! And then if that's not enough, then Elijah shows up, one of the prophets shows up, and now you literally have a representation of the law and the prophets standing on the mountain in front of you. God is speaking through the clouds. Jesus is lit. I think if I was there and I'd be witnessing that, I would probably be a bit in awe, and I'm pretty sure I'd probably shut my mouth. And just like take it all in. And I was thinking, who would be insane if they showed up like right now? It would freak me out. 
I'm like, who could we really use right now? Oh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. We could use them right about now. I mean, I'd even love a little Elvis blue suede shoes or something. I'm just saying. Like, if those three guys were standing up here right now, what the heck would you have to say? And they're not even spiritual people, right? We wouldn't be saying anything. We would just be listening to them. Peter starts interrupting and speaking. And he's like, guys, I've got this really great idea. Since you're all here, why don't we build this altar? Don't you think that would be super cool right now? How about if we build an altar? And it says in the Bible that God literally begins to speak over top of Peter and shut him up. You, you, you just got embarrassed in front of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. God just like shut you down. Maybe now is a good time to leave the ministry. Maybe now is a good time to leave the church. Maybe now is a good time to put my call down. It doesn't stop there. Jesus is in the garden and he's praying and he'd already told Peter everything that was going to happen. And, and here the, the Roman guards come and Peter gets a bit anxious and Jesus is like, Peter, you know, they're coming to take me away. He's like, not on my watch. And he pulls out a sword and cuts the guard's ear off and it like falls on the ground, like an ear. And Jesus is like, Peter, gosh darn it, like pushes it back on his head and goes, Peter, like... How many times, Peter? And it doesn't end there. I would like to read this one to you verse by verse. Here's another one, Matthew 26, 31. This is the Last Supper. The Last Supper before Jesus is about to be crucified and go to the cross, and he's trying to get some information in to his disciples before he goes. And it says, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written... Okay, let's stop for a second. Jesus is saying this very night, not next week, not next month, not next year, but this very night, you're going to fall away. And then he says, for it is written, not only am I telling you this, but this was already prophesied. So this is going to happen. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Dude, have you not learned freaking enough? What in the world? Then Jesus comes back and says, truly, I tell you, Peter, this very night, he says it again, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me. How many times? three times, but Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Why? Because they always followed Peter. So here Jesus is telling him what's going to happen. And Peter is counteracting him over and over. And I love the synoptic gospels because they are the same stories, but told with different vantage points and viewpoints based upon the writer. So we're going to read Luke now of the same dinner and hear what Luke has to say about what happened. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. 
but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, in other words, Peter, you're going to fall, but I'm believing you're going to come back. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to them, to him, Lord, I am ready. Say ready. ready. I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Now, there's a few things I want to break down in this scripture for you. The first is, is why in the world is Jesus calling Peter Simon, Simon? Because Simon was his old name. When Jesus had already said, hey, your name is no longer Simon, but now your name is Peter, and you, Peter, upon you, I will build my church. You are the rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So why in the world is Jesus calling him by his old name? Because right there in that moment, Peter is acting more like his old nature than the nature that God gave him. And he's saying to him, listen, this is not who you are. It's like if your mom, if your name was little Timmy when you were a kid and now you're Timothy. It's like saying to the grown-up Timothy, Timmy, 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 what are you doing? It's letting him know, listen, you're acting immature right now. The other thing that I think is very interesting here is that word ready is a very specific Greek word named hitomas. Hitomas, and that means I'm ready physically. I am physically fit. I am ready for this battle. I got this. I am strong. But what Peter doesn't understand is that Jesus isn't interested in whether he's physically fit. He's trying to get Peter spiritually fit for the battle that he is dealing with. And we know that Peter keeps deferring to his flesh because here he is like cutting the guy's ear off. He's responding in his flesh. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle that you keep handling naturally. And we know that, in fact, that very night before the rooster crowed, that three times Peter denied him. Three times. Well, what happened after that night? What happened in the process of time? What happened after Peter failed? After he denied Jesus, after he stepped away from his call, from his purpose, from his ministry, what happened to Peter? The same thing that happens to you and I when we go through a difficult situation that we don't leave submitted on the altar before God. In John chapter 21, verse 9, it says that Peter went back to his old life. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. But wait a minute, Peter, you've already been called away from that. You've already been given a different purpose. Why are you going back to that which you had left? They said to him, we are going with you also, the disciples, because what do they do? They always follow Peter. Did you know that just because you are leading doesn't mean you are leading well? So here is Peter taking people with him back into their old life. It says, then they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet 
The disciples did not know that it was Jesus. How many times have we needed Jesus to show up in our situation? And he was there the whole time. We just didn't recognize him. And it says, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? He's hollering out from the shore. What you got in your boat? What you got? Says, then they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, here's what I want you to hear. Whenever you see a therefore, you need to figure out what it's there for. Because they just threw the net in and pulled it out and there's fish in it. Because of that, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, because that's how he always wrote about himself, because this is a book he wrote, right? So he's saying the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, now when Jesus did that, he recognized something. He said to Peter, it is the Lord. Peter, this is the Lord. Why is he saying that it's the Lord? Because the day that he got called, Peter and the rest of the disciples who were on the boat fishing in Luke chapter 5, the same exact thing happened. Jesus said, hey, can can I get into your boat? They had been out fishing all night. You know, they'd caught nothing. But see, now Jesus is saying, well, invite me into your situation. Invite me into your nothing. Invite me into your boat. And he gets into the boat of nothing. And he says, push back from the shore because I want to use this water to amplify my voice like a a microphone would. And he began to preach to the crowds. And he's preaching. And then he looks to the disciples and he says to them, hey, throw your net in on the other side of the boat. And they're like, hey, you know, we kind of, this is like our trade, our profession. We've been doing this all night. This is the morning. This is not when you're supposed to catch fish. We already tried. We're actually washing the nets now. But you know what? To humor you, nevertheless, at your word, I will throw it in. And they throw the net in and they're pulling in a boat sinking, net breaking load of fish. That's how they knew it was Jesus because this is the second recorded time, a separate instance in the Bible of where this happened. One, when he called them out, and the second, when he's calling them back. And he says to them, Peter, uh, John says to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it. Now, why in the world would you put on clothes to dive into the water? And he plunged into the sea. That doesn't make sense, does it? I'll explain it to you in a minute. 
But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, which is about 300 feet out from shore. They were dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a, there's three words right there. I want you to read them out loud. They saw a what? Fire of coals. I want you to remember that. They saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. What the heck is going on right here? Why in the world did Peter put on his clothes to dive into the water? Because as soon as he realized it was Jesus, he knew, he knew that he was standing there in his fisherman's uniform, which is what they used to fish. You know, it signified something different than if he was just going fishing for a meal. This was actually now his profession. And he had his uniform on that he would wore that consisted of fabric that would go across his middle section so the rest of him would not get dirty and messy when he's hauling in the nets. And when he realized that it was Jesus, he's like, oh my gosh, he's going to know I've gone back to my old life. Let me put my outer garments on so when I go on up to the shore, maybe he won't notice what I've done. How many times do we do that in our lives? We've gone back to our old way of living. We, we started going on Facebook and looking up our high school sweetheart. We started getting on the internet and, and searching and going back to our old life. And God is like, hey, can you, can you let me have that? And we're putting on the outer garment because we feel ashamed. We, we aren't happy about what we've done. Always pay attention when you start hiding. When you're deleting phone messages so nobody will see them, when you're deleting internet search histories, when you're hiding letters, when you're hiding credit card bills, when you're hiding, always pay attention. Genesis 3.10 says, I was afraid because I was naked, therefore I hid. It goes back to the garden and our tendency to want to cover those most sensitive areas, those most private of areas. But God is saying, no, 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 let me have access. It's like the man with the withered hand who came to church one Sunday in the Bible. And Jesus says to the man, he says, stretch out your hand. Most of us, when we come to church, we don't want to stretch out the withered hand. As a matter of fact, Jesus never said to him, stretch out your withered hand. Jesus said, just stretch out your hand because that man had to choose how he came up into church. If I stretch my good hand, everybody's going to go, oh, what a great leader. He's a great leader. She's a great leader. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, look at how wonderful they look. But if I have to stretch out my withered hand, they're going to know that something's broken. They're going to know that something's off. But here's the thing. If you don't show the right hand, you don't get the healing that you need. Are we so busy trying to impress people that we say, God, I don't want you to heal me as long as man thinks I look good. I don't care. No, no, no. Stretch it out. This is the very place where you can get your healing. 
Don't put the outer garment on. Jesus is saying, hey, let me have access to that. Give me access so I can heal that. Peter had returned to his old life. You know, here's the thing about us. We've got to take inspection of where we're at. What have we returned to that we need to be letting go of? And Jesus calls him up onto the shore and says, Peter, sit around the coal of fires with me. Sit around the coal of fires, Peter. Let's have a conversation. I want to talk to you. And Jesus begins to ask Peter three different questions. The first question that he says to him is, Peter, do you love me? Now, I want to explain to you the word that Jesus says to him because it's the Greek word agape, which means, Peter, do you love me with a God kind of love that cannot be broken, that is perfect, that never fails? Jesus, of course I love you, Peter responds. Of course I phileo you. Of course, Jesus, I brotherly love you. That wasn't what Jesus asked him. He didn't say, do you phileo me? He said, do you agape me, Peter? Do you love me unconditionally with a God kind of love? And Peter responds, I phileo you. So Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you agape me? Peter responds with Jesus, you know that I phileo you. Why in the world is Jesus asking Peter that kind of a question? Could you imagine when you've just been caught living your old life? Let me me bring it modern day. A husband was caught cheating on his wife, right? And the wife says to him, do you agape me? Well, I mean, I just failed you miserably. Like, why are you asking me that? Are you trying to make me feel shame right now? Are you trying to make me feel bad about what I just did? I I mean, I love you the best I can. Phileo, I mean, a a human love you. Do you agape me? Jesus asked him twice and twice. Peter responds, I phileo you. Why would Jesus be so cruel and ask that, knowing he just messed up? The third time, Jesus says, around the coal of fires, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? He changes it from agape, agape to phileo. And and Peter responds back to Jesus, yes, Jesus, I phileo you. Why did Jesus ask him that? Because here on this side of eternity, we're not capable of that kind of love. And Jesus wanted Peter to know, Peter, it's okay. I realize you're going to miss the mark. You're not capable of agape love. That's why I went to the cross for you, Peter. So instead of hiding in your shame with your overcoat on, understand that what I did for you allows you to take that coat off. You don't need to feel shame because you aren't where you think you are. Let me have it, Peter. Give it to me, Peter. It's okay. 
I'm not trying to shame you, but I am trying to bring conviction to your life because conviction brings about movement, which brings about change. God is not trying to condemn us by putting his finger on our issues, but by golly, he is trying to convict us and say, listen, I get that you didn't hit the mark. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay. That's why I just did what I did on the cross for you. Because of these moments right here. Because you see, someone whose pride has been wounded will question their usefulness. But God does not. He does not. And so here Jesus says to him, right around the coal of fires, he says, then follow me. He started with a follow me. And then he restores him. The call is still just as good. Follow me. The call hasn't changed. Follow me. I still believe in you. Follow me. I want to take you back to when Peter actually fell. And I want to read something to you as I begin to close this. This is when Peter actually denied Jesus. I want you to hear this. And I want you to tell me if you hear anything that jumps out to you. John 18, 15, and Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of these man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. First denial. Now the servants and officers who have made a three words, what is it? Fire of coals. Stood there for it was cold and they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself and we know that standing right there around that fire of coals, two more times he denied Jesus. Two more times. You see, what we don't understand is what Jesus is trying to do. Peter denied Jesus three times around a fire of coals, and Jesus brings him back around the exact same, only twice in the entire Bible is that word used. It's for when he fell and when Jesus restored him. Brought him right back around the fire of coals. Brought him right back. And he said to him, he said, Peter, follow me again. Follow me again. Will you stand on your feet? You see, the three betrayals that Peter had spoken, Jesus counteracted with three acts of love that restored him. But Peter thought, you know what? I don't know if there's any way I can get my place back. I messed up. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I got distracted. Because you see, we're living in a climate right now that it's not easy to serve God. Peter was dealing with persecution and he gave into it for a bit and he kind of backed up. And he kind of went back to his old life because sometimes fighting gets really hard. And he backed up. But Jesus came and said, Peter, I'm not done yet. 
I've got a fire of coals here for you. I'm not done. Today, the Lord gave me a very clear picture. He said, you know what I want you to do today? I want you to build a fire of coals. So that's what I've built today. And he said, I want you to tell people to come back around the fire of coals today. I want you to call them back because some people have felt discouraged. Some people have felt overwhelmed. Some people have felt tired. Some people have messed up and said, you know what, God, I don't know if I'm even still worthy. I've messed up in my marriage or I've messed up in my family or maybe I just hadn't been the leader that I should be. The Lord wants to call you back. The fire's waiting. And you know what's so significant about a fire? Is if I asked you to close your eyes right now, you could smell the fire burning. You could hear the crackling. You could even feel the warmth on your face. It's a very significant thing. What I want you to do right now, just close your eyes. If that's you today and you say, you know what? I need to go up front. I need to step forward and let any shame or guilt or anything from my past or maybe any complacency, I need to let that go today. And I need to come around the fire of coals. If that's you, just get out of your seat and come right up front. Come right up front. Sometimes you just got to say, excuse me, pardon me. If you're sitting in the middle, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. I'm going up front to get my stuff today. I am not leaving here without a touch from God. I am not leaving here without just getting around the fire and getting restored to the place that I need to be restored. I'm going to get close to the fire, and the fire represents the power of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. If you just need to get in the presence of God, maybe you've been heavy. Come and gather around the fire. The fire is here right now to warm you, to welcome you, to call you back. See, you may have thought the call of God was negated on your life because of something you did. You may have thought it's too late. But God is like, oh, no, 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 no. It's just, you know, you may think you failed, but in God's kingdom, you never fail a test. You just get a redo. You just got to retake. And if you need a fresh start, if you need a do-over, I am asking you to get out of your seat and come up front and get your fresh start. Get your do-over. Right here, right now, the coal of fires is waiting. They're going to sing over you. Would you do that for me? Just lift your hands up and just receive something from the Lord today. You guys scoot all the way down, all the way down so I can see your sweet faces. Come all the way down up here. Come on. I want you guys. 
I want you guys to look up at me right now. I want you to hear something. When Peter thought he was down and out, what he didn't understand is the day of Pentecost was right around the corner where he would stand up and say, I am not drunk as you suppose, but I am filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2 was established that day with a Peter who was broken, who was abandoned, who had messed up. still had a purpose and you and I are standing here today because of Peter and then God gave him a vision not just to reach the Jews but the Gentiles and he had a dream a vision how many times did he have that dream three every time Peter denied God God kept counteracting it reminding him and reminding him and reminding him Three people came to his house to declare the calling on his life. God was not going to let him forget. God is not going to let you forget. I break every negative word that people have spoke over your life right now in the name of Jesus. I declare those words to no effect. We take captive every thought right now that would try to hinder our sister. In Jesus' name, Satan, we put you on notice. We rebuke you. You are under our feet in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's all say this together today. Say, Heavenly Father, we come before you and we declare that by your grace, we are saved. We are in right standing with you. You are our Father, our Savior, and we will serve you with every fiber of our being. Never looking back, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.